Hey, everybody. How are you? Yeah, tired. I, I know. I, I hear you. I hear you. I know the time change, you, you, you think you're going to gain an hour of sleep, but you don't because you end up staying up later and then your body wakes you up at the normal time that you usually wake up at. My wife and I experienced that with our kids. They have been getting up at somewhere between, I don't know, 5 and 5.30 in the morning, which has been really bad for us because we would like to sleep in a little bit sometimes. And uh, we thought, oh, great. This means that come Sunday morning, they're going to wake up at 4, 4.30. And you know what? They didn't. They actually slept in a little bit. <laughs> slept in. <laughs> Not really. Ha, ha, ha. But they, they did. They, uh, they, they slept in a little bit, and we, we, we survived. But, um, yeah, I think it'll take us a couple of weeks to get through this transition, just like everybody else with the kids. Well, uh, like Jamie said, my name is Nathan Harris. I'm the lead pastor here at Celebration Center. If you are a guest here today, welcome. Thank you for making this our time, our worship time, uh, part of your Sunday morning. Okay, we know that you could do a lot of other things and you chose to be here and this is awesome. We're glad, we're excited that you're here today. Um, you know, as Jamie said, we the last five weeks we were discussing or we were talking about one of our core values, which is better together. And we talked about how relationship is part of what we want everything here at Celebration Center to be about. But that's not the only core value that we have here. We're actually starting today, this morning, another message uh, where we're, we're talking about another one of our core values. Um, and so these core values are giving us direction. We, we kind of know where we want to go, but, but how do we get there? And the core values are going to give us the direction. It's kind of like, um, oh, not too, too long. Well, actually, it was a while ago now that I think about it. My wife and I jumped in the car. We drove over to the coast. This was when we were living in Oregon. And we just decided to go exploring for the day. You ever do anything like that? Just go exploring. Isn't it kind of fun? You're just driving around. You're experiencing the scenery. You're checking some things out. You're surprised by some of your experiences. You're having a really good time, right? It's really fun. It's enjoyable. Sometimes it's really good. I have, actually, I think I have a picture here. We discovered on this trip, this is at Pacific City, Oregon, on the Oregon coast. Not that we discovered it, so it, it's not our discovery, but it was new to us, right? And I didn't actually take this picture. But uh, we were there for the sunset, and we discovered this little, uh, it was not really little, it's this, it's this uh, restaurant called, I think it's called the Pelican or something like that. It's a microbrewery with, with burgers and all kinds of really good food, and it was just amazing. It was, it was really, really fun. We were surprised. We enjoyed that kind of aimless wandering. How many of you here know that living life aimlessly doesn't work out too well? If, if your destination, if the place that you want to end up at is the Grand Canyon, you're not going to go to Canada, are you? Right? You're, I mean, you, you have to choose what, where you're going to go, what your first step is, what direction you're going to go in. Our core values help us to do that. We know that we want to be like Jesus. We know that we want to be closer to God. We know that we want to ultimately accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. But where do we go? Our core values are going to help us to get there. Okay, so this morning we're going to begin talking about another core value. Pursue Jesus. 
pursue Jesus. And I know that, I, I think it sounds cool. I like the sound of it. There's probably a lot of other people here who like the sound of it. But what exactly does that mean? To pursue Jesus. Is it simply about acknowledging him at the beginning of our day, doing like some devotions, right? You read your Bible, you do some prayer, so you're pursuing Jesus, but then as soon as you put down the Bible, you, you're done praying, you, you set all of that aside, and you think, okay, now I gotta live my day. I gotta go out this day, and I've gotta make life happen. And so everything that you read, everything that you prayed, everything that God maybe spoke to you gets put on the back burner while you go about living life. Your way. And so in, 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 this, in this kind of a situation, Jesus becomes a, a picture like this. My buddy Jesus, the bobblehead who just nods at us. He's winking and giving us the thumbs up and he's nodding his head at every single thing we do. That's how we treat Jesus when we live that way. So is, is that really pursuing Jesus? No, I don't think it is. Is pursuing Jesus about doing enough of the right activities? Do you know what I'm talking about? You, where you're praying enough, you're reading the Bible enough, you're maybe serving enough, and so you've got all of these things that you've got to stack on top of each other, and it has to be enough. Is that pursuing Jesus? I don't think so. Is pursuing Jesus about refraining from certain activities? You know, you hear about all of the big ones, right? Don't have sex outside of marriage. Don't get drunk. Don't don't get don't get into pornography or anything like that. If if you if you if you refrain from all of these taboo things, is that pursuing Jesus? I I I think that pursuing Jesus includes some of these a lot of these things. Okay, it's a good idea to refrain from some things and to do some things in our lives. But that isn't pursuing Jesus. Those are things we do because we have a mindset of pursuing Jesus. So for the next three Sundays, we're going to look at our core value of pursue Jesus. And I want to break it down for us into a three-part process, okay, of how we can pursue Jesus, how we can have this mindset of pursuing Jesus above all else. So here's the core value and also our big idea for this series, pursue Jesus, because we want to know Jesus, we study scripture. Scripture is, if you're unfamiliar with that term, that, that's just a kind of a fancy word for Bible. <laughs> okay, it's your Bible. We study scripture, we pray, we passionately worship, doing things like what we did this morning. Man, was worship great this morning? Yes, wasn't that amazing? We, we passionately worship, and... Here's the part I want us to focus on. We seek to develop our character and lives in his image. We seek to develop our character, the core of who we are, what we're like, those things that we involve ourselves in, those things that we refer, all, all of it, all of the gamut of life, we seek to develop that in our lives in his image. Now, in order to implement this kind of life, it takes energy, it takes dedication, and this three-part process I want to talk about, you've, if you've been here for any length of time, you've probably heard me mention this before, but this three-part process that we're, that's going to help to give us the direction is be, become, and do. Be, become, do. Be with Jesus so that we can become like Jesus, 
so that we can do the things that Jesus did and he is still doing. All right? And I think this process sums up what it means to pursue Jesus. To pursue him. So here's our, bi- our main thing for this week. Our main thing, to pursue Jesus, because we're going to start with the B part. To pursue Jesus, we must be with him. If you're taking notes, you can fill that in on your notes. If you don't have your notes, they're on a little uh, black um, stool back here. Feel free to get up and grab those. I won't be offended. I have little kids. I'm used to them moving around. So um, thank you. Thank you for laughing at that. That was good. <laughs> it's always great when you have to d- explain your jokes. They just don't become... Anyway, I'm done. Uh, all right, all right. There we go. Waking up, waking up. Time change hasn't affected us, baby. To pursue Jesus, we must be with Jesus. That might sound a little bit like, well, duh. But how often do we actually live that way? How often do we actually pour our time, our energy, our talents, our everything into living that way of being with Jesus? I've got a question for you. Have you ever tried to accomplish something in your life where maybe you didn't, you might have known a little bit about it, but you didn't have a lot of understanding or knowledge or experience with the thing and and it just kind of was trouble for you. I remember one time uh, my wife and I, we went out and we did what every red-blooded American dreams of and we bought a minivan. And y- yes, thank you again. That was... That was intended to be a joke. But this, this minivan, I had, we had a, a headlamp go out on the minivan. And me being the rule follower that I am, I didn't want to get pulled over by the police and have a ticket because I, I didn't have a working headlamp. So I said, you know what? I'm going to change the headlamp. So I go to Walmart. I buy the, he- the new headlamp. I got the right one. I open up the hood, and I start to try to pull the headlamp out of the car. Now, I am not a novice at it replacing headlamps. I have done this before. I have not done this on this particular setup. Okay? So I went, and I thought, okay, all I have to do is unplug the back of the thing, pull the halogen bulb out, and replace it, plug it back in. You know, all, it'll be done. That's not how this one worked. And I was getting mad. I was starting to lose it. Until finally I got on my my smartphone. Man, thank you, Jesus, for smartphones and YouTube. Anybody else ever done this? You pull out your smartphone, you're like, I don't know how to do this. I'm going to YouTube it. Because somebody out in cyberspace has done this before. Right? So so I YouTubed it, and I watched the video, and I was pausing it at every moment that I needed to so I could figure out this very simple process of, of replacing... This headlamp. You guys, trying to live the kingdom life that every single Christ follower is called to without being connected to Jesus is like me trying to change that headlamp without the knowledge and the experience and the understanding. Only more so. Only more so. 
Because Jesus isn't merely like a YouTube video or a picture that we look at that shows us what life is supposed to be like. He is the life. He is the life. It's like trying to run a food processor without actually having the thing plugged in. It's not going to work. It won't happen. Jesus is the only source of life. So if you are taking notes on your outline, number one, here is the first thing we need to do in order to be with Jesus. We need to find our lives only in Jesus. Find your life only in Jesus. Again, this might seem like one of those, well, duh, kind of things, but let's face it, there's a myriad of things out there that we can pick and choose from, aren't there? There's all kinds of things that bring life to us. We can decide. But the mindset we have to have if we are truly going to pursue Jesus and be with him is that we have to find our lives only in him. It's a mindset. Here's what Jesus said. We're going to look at John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, go ahead and turn there. I'm not opposed to phones being on in church as long as you're reading your Bible. No, I'm not going to be mean. Um, just, but go ahead and turn there. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. I'm going to read from the NIV. Here's what Jesus said. Verse 1, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Now I want to pause here for a minute because Jesus is making a statement about who he is and about who we are because of him. Something you need to understand is that throughout the Old Testament, over and over and over again, especially in the prophets, whenever God is, for those of you who don't know, the, the prophets are, are a whole bunch of books in the Old Testament where they're calling Israel back to the way that they're supposed to live. They've left the way that, that God has directed them to live. Okay, they've decided to do it on their own. And so the prophets are calling them back. And over and over and over, we see this in Jeremiah, especially in Isaiah. Isaiah 1, um, or excuse me, 5 verses 1 and 2 is, is a great example of this. But Israel is compared to a vine. A vine that God took, cleared some ground for, created a good atmosphere for it, and then planted it and watered it, gave it everything it needed to thrive. But then the vine only produced wild and bad grapes. That's how Israel is described in the Old Testament. And it's, it's not that, and, and them producing the, the, the bad grapes has nothing to do with just making mistakes. It's about rebelling. They rebelled against God. They lived life completely different and separate from the way God had prescribed for them to live life. And so God called them on it. Jesus here in John chapter 15 says, I am the true vine. Okay? Jesus is the true vine. He is the healthy vine. He is the one who, who has real life in himself. He doesn't rebel against God. He produces what God wants produced. So Jesus is saying here that being part of God's people isn't about being connected to Israel. It's about being connected to Jesus. 
It's about living our lives in him. It's about being part of Jesus. I am the true vine, he says, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Jesus says that the Father is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. He is the true vine. He is the one that produces God's actual life and kingdom fruit. And God is the one tending this. He's the one taking care of it. So that the vine grows in the appropriate direction. Now, I've never tried to grow a vine before, but from what everything I read and everything I understand, it's a little bit like roses. Roses will do the same kind of thing. Where if you don't actually trim them and cut them back, then it just becomes this big ball, a tangled mess. It becomes nastiness. <laughs> It's not pretty, and, and you don't get really good, beautiful things. You get a whole bunch of small, insignificant, whether it's the roses, the, the, the flowers, or it's with the vine with, and the grapes. All right, It'll just end up growing in on itself. So God actually goes in, and he trims out all of that superfluous stuff so that the good things can get even better. That's what God does as the gardener. And you know what else? There is nothing more loving or caring that God can do in any of our lives than to cut away the things that prevent us from having his life in us. And I can tell you, from walking with Jesus, I have experienced this. I have experienced God cutting things out of my life. It's not always comfortable. It's not always fun. But those are the moments when he is closest to me. Those are the moments when I know that he's, he's, he's caring for me and tending me. His, his attention is on me. The word for clean in verse 3, is a play, it's, it's part of a play on words. Because Jesus uses that word clean with the disciples, you're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And he also says that the Father cuts off or he prunes those two are playing off each other and Jesus says, you're clean because of the words I have spoken to you. I've already, I've already kind of cleaned you up so that you can produce the life that God wants. You guys, our growth as disciples and as human beings is totally dependent on Jesus, on life in him, on having his life in us and that's not a life that we can produce on our own. And when we settle for anything less than that, then bad things happen. I, I am notorious for attempting to save a few pennies. All right? I, I, I think I come by it naturally. I'm Scottish. So I like, I like cheap things. I, w I want really good things, but I want them to be really cheap, which sometimes those are two mutually exclusive things. But I have a toothbrush at home a particular brand of toothbrush where I went to a, an online shopping site. I'm not going to uh, promote anybody here, but uh, I think we all know what that is. Anyway, this, this place that will magically drop things out of the sky into your lap, right? I, I, I go onto this website and I, and I try to find new toothbrush heads. And I did. I found new toothbrush heads and they fit my toothbrush. They're not the same brand. And they wear out a whole lot faster. <laughs> 
They're cheaper. I'm saving money up front, but probably in the long run, I'm spending more because I'm having to use more and more of the cheaper ones to make up for, for what I, I purchased, right? Or the, the kind of thing that I'm, I'm actually looking for. When we settle for something as the source of our life other than Jesus, we're not just going with a cheaper version. We're actually sabotaging ourselves. We're sabotaging ourselves because typically these other forms of life end up taking life from us. That's what they do. Every source of life available to us other than Jesus will cost us something. Following Jesus costs us something for sure. But these other things, when it's, when it's money, when it's power, when it's position, when it's being, looking good in front of people or whatever, th- those sources of life, when we pursue those above anything else, they are going to cost us relationships. How many parents here have ever heard their kids say to them when they come home, you know what, you need to go back to work so you can earn more money for us. When money becomes our God, when money becomes our life, something else has to give, right? It's the same with any of those other forms of life. When we choose Jesus as our only life, we don't just have the kingdom life available to us, we have the very life of God in us. And yes, there will be pruning. And yes, things will get difficult. Absolutely. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. It's going to happen. But we will have his life. And it will be an abundant life. Something that we cannot produce on our own. But we have to choose to find our life only in Jesus. If we are going to be with Jesus, we have to choose to find our life in him. Number two on your outline. Stay with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. I, a couple years ago, going on a couple years ago now, I went on a trip, missions trip. I was in Botswana, Africa. That's just north of South Africa. Uh, loved it. I've been there a couple of times. A lot of fun. Uh, this particular trip we were able to go up into the north. We usually stayed in the south of the country. We were able to go up into the north, and there's this big delta, one of the biggest inland deltas. I think it might be the biggest inland delta in the entire world, and it's just rife with wildlife. We saw wild dogs, something that you don't typically see very much of, and they had just killed something. So we, we, we actually, it was like watching National Geographic only being there <laughs> when it happened. It was pretty cool. Right? We saw birds. We saw all kinds of things. At one point in this trip, our vehicle broke down. And so we were stranded. And while these, I think they were from the Netherlands or something, there were a couple of guys touring Africa or something like that. And they, they pull up and, and they're trying to help get things working. Well, off in the brush, just to our left, we start hearing some trumpeting. Elephants. That's cool. There's elephants. 
No, that's not cool. That's bad because they will, they will stomp a mud hole out of you. So our, our guide, he, he, he tells us, get in the truck, get in the truck. Don't stay outside because apparently as long as, even if you're sitting in the back of a pickup truck, the elephants won't attack you. They won't, they won't charge you. But if you're standing out on your own, you're going to die. All right? That's just, that's just the way it is. That's the way life goes. You guys, our lives depend on Jesus, not only because of the things that can go wrong, but because we are unable to produce life on our own. I can't produce life on my own. No matter how hard I try, no matter how often I put effort into it, I can't do it. Here's what Jesus said. Verse 4, John 15, verse 4, he said, Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I love this passage. The word translated remain here is used 10 times in these eight verses. Show of hands, how many parents are in the room? Okay, I'm a parent, I'll raise my hand. Of the parents in the room, how many of, how many, how often, or no, no, do, here's a better way because this is a raise of the hands question. Do you ever have to repeat yourself to your children? Raise your hand. Yeah, Donald's got both hands up. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh my goodness, I have done this so many times. It's, I could be standing in front of my child and say, I need you to do this. And they start doing something else. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I need you to do this. I, and I might have to say it three or four or five times even. Drives me nuts. But there are other times when I repeat myself to my kids, not because they're not necessarily ignoring me, but because what I have to say to them is very, very important. Important conversations happen over and over and over and over, not because we think that maybe it leaked out, but because we want them to know, to understand, this is important. Your life depends on it. Jesus says, remain in me. Remain in me. Remain in me. Say it with me. Remain in me. This is, this is, he says it over and over and over again. This remaining, this abiding is all about making our home with him. Making our home in him. Him being the place where we live What's really cool is that in John chapter 1, in this same gospel, in John chapter 1, verse 14, we are told that the Word became flesh 
and what? Anybody remember it? He dwelt. He made his dwelling. He tabernacled. Here's the, the cool thing. As we are making our home with him, he's making our home with us, his home with us. As we are making our home with him, he's making his home with us. And he wants to do this. He calls us to do this. This is exciting stuff. You guys, we get to be with Jesus. We get to be with him. The consequences for us to choosing not to remain with him are very clear. We can't produce life. It's that simple. We can't produce life. It's not that we won't produce it. It's that we can't produce it. There is one source of life. I am not it. You are not it. Even us together are not it. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus is the source of life. And guess what? Here's something else that's really cool. I love this. Jesus says, it's to the Father's glory that you bear much fruit. Guess what? God wants us to succeed. Have you ever been in a position where you had a boss or, or maybe somebody else in your life who kind of wanted you to fail? How did that feel? Just think, you don't have to answer out loud, but just think about that. How did that feel? You feel defeated. You feel like the world is against you. You feel like there's absolutely nothing you can do to make any good thing happen. Here what we see is that God wants this life to be produced in us and through us. He's invested. He's bought in to us. We must stay with Jesus. We've got to make our home with him. We've got to be all in. So how do we do this? How do we do this? If you're taking notes, letter A on your outline. Be in community. Now earlier I told you that it's not that that uh, pursuing Jesus isn't about just a, a list of things, and that's true. It's not because what we do with the list, I don't know about you, but typically what I do with the list is like, okay, I've checked off the list. Now I get to forget it. It's done. I have accomplished it. These are these things that we're going to talk about now are not things where we earn merit badges, where we get to show them off and say, hey, look how good I am, or hey, I got this done, and now I get to move on with my life. This is about a continual process. This is a, about a way of life. And letter A on your outline is be in community. You want to be with Jesus? Be in community. Recently, there was a lot of talk about the greatest of all time quarterbacks. I love football. I like using football analogies. The greatest of all time quarterbacks. They were calling him the GOAT. I think when I first heard that, I thought, well, that's mean. Some of you got that joke. And then I realized, oh, greatest of all time. Okay, the GOAT. And, and so it, it came down to between Tom Brady and Joe Montana. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I, I can hear. I can hear where people are, are landing on this one. Now, no. Here's the. Here's the thing, though, about this. About this. Um, this debate. We can debate it all day long. We can talk about it all day long. As great, and I grew up watching Joe Montana, so I'm a little bit partial that direction, although I appreciate Tom Brady as well. I think he has more rings than, than Joe Montana does. But they've both accomplished a whole lot. Neither one of them, the fact is that neither one of them would accomplish anything without their surrounding cast. We can talk about how great they are all we want, but they would not accomplish anything in their professional careers without, without their, their, their tight ends and their linemen and their running backs and their wide receivers and even the defense on the other side of the ball giving them a chance to be able to come back out onto the field to play again. They need their team. They're not the greatest without their team. They're the greatest with their team. I don't, here's my point. I don't care who you are. I don't care what education level you have. I don't care what talent you have. You cannot succeed in the life of the kingdom on your own. You can't. You can't do it. Not only do you need to be attached to Jesus, but you need to be attached to Jesus' people. That's the way God designed us. That's not bad. That doesn't mean that we're less than anything. This is just how God wants it to be. And so he's created it to be this way. That we need each other. We need community. We need to be with others who are celebrating and living for Jesus. Who are going to be able to call me out when I'm being my grumpy self. And I'm going to be able to encourage you and say, come on, we can do this. We've got this together. Recently, I just, uh, I don't know how many people here follow baseball, but uh, if, for those of you who don't know, the Washington Nationals just won the, the, uh, the World Series. And what's really interesting is that they lost their best player prior to the beginning of the season. Bryce Harper went to go play for another team. And then they went on and won the World Series. You guys, it doesn't take a team of stars. It takes a team. Okay? It takes a team. People bought into each other who are loving Jesus and loving one another. I think it's pretty cool that we just got done talking about better together and now we're seeing this crop up here in pursuing Jesus. I love how these core values, they're overlapping. They're not just segments. In order to pursue Jesus, we need to be in community. Letter B on your outline, you need to read the Bible. You need to read the Bible. Now, again, I get it. This may sound a little bit, well, duh. But I remember there was a time I was in high school. I was on a basketball team. I know I don't look like it. I look like I have a basketball under my shirt, not outside of it. But I was on a basket. I was playing basketball on my high school team, and I was I was stuck on the JV team, and I couldn't figure out why. I was like, "Man, why 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 can't I be on the varsity team? Hey, can I have another double quarter pounder, please?" That was a joke. But one day, I actually got to see a video, a game video, of one of my games, and you know what I saw in this game video? 
I wasn't running. I was barely jumping. I was moving up and down the court. It's not that I was putting no effort into it. I just wasn't putting all of my effort into it. When we read the Bible, reading the Bible is a little bit like me watching that video because it reads us back. It reflects back to us what God expects. And when I see what God expects, and and, and if I have any amount of self-awareness, I understand where I'm at. <laughs> and it's like watching that video. Oh, I'm, I'm not running. I'm, I'm not jumping. I'm just kind of shuffling my feet up and down the court here right now. That's, that's embarrassing. You know what? After I saw that video, you know what happened? I went on a tear. <laughs> I was like, that is not going to be me. And I didn't do that anymore. The same kind of thing happens when we read God's word. When we read the Bible. To pursue Jesus, we need to read the Bible. Again, it's not so that we can say, hey, look what I did. It's so that we can pursue Jesus, so that we can be all in, so that he can speak to us, so that we can love him as he is loving us. Okay? We need to read the Bible. Letter C on your outline, we need to pray. To pursue Jesus, we need to pray. There's a, I should have gotten this, but there, I saw a meme on uh, Facebook not too, too long ago. It's, it's of Jack Nicholson, and he's got his, it looks like he's been in a tornado or a windstorm or something, and his hair is just kind of going everywhere, and he's got that kind of weird, crazy smile on his face, and on the bottom it says, um, we got, well, we got all the kids in bed, and somehow we survived. Sometimes, sometimes that's a little bit like that at my house when I put my kids to bed. But there are nights, there are times, there are moments when typically when I'm done putting them to bed, my son will call out to me as I'm walking out. I'm saying, good night, Caleb. I love you. Sleep tight. As, right as I'm about to close, he, I think he waits for it because he wants me to come back. He waits for it. And right as I'm about to close the door, he says, Daddy, can I have one more hug and kiss? And, and I say, how can I say no to that? <laughs> how on earth can I say no to that? You guys, that's prayer. Not me walking out the door, but my son saying, Daddy, can I have one more hug and kiss? That's prayer. When we pray, we're not praying to make ourselves, to puff ourselves up. We're not praying so that, so that other people around us can hear and say, oh man, that, that guy knows a lot of stuff. We're praying so that we can have this intimate child-father conversation. This special thing that happens only between parents and children. We need to pray. Do you want to do you want to pursue Jesus? You got to be with him in order to be with him. Part of what Jesus says here is you've got to pray. Ask if you remain in me, ask anything in my name and it will be done for you. I don't think he's talking about winning the lottery. Okay? 
He's talking about as our affections, as our hopes, as our dreams are changed and shaped by Jesus. And they come more in line with God than every single thing we ask for. God says, I've got it. No How can I say no to that? That's what he says. How can I say no to that? To pursue Jesus, we need to be with him. And it's a mindset. It's a mindset of finding our life only in him. Of not settling for any other substitution. It's a mindset of making our home in him. And the way we begin to do that is we begin by, by being in community, by joining the team. We do that by, by reading the Bible and by praying. We want to pursue Jesus because pursuing Jesus is going to lead us to where God wants us to go. And the way we begin to do that is to be with Jesus. I want to go ahead and have the band come on back. What might your life look like if, if this is the mindset you had? I'm not, I'm not saying that you don't have this mindset, but what if you increased in this mindset. For those of us who maybe don't have the mindset, what if you, ha you got that? For those of us who already do, what if we increased in it? What might life look like? Certainly not a bed of roses. Again, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. It's going to happen. But what might we accomplish with God? Not just for him, but with him as we live this way. Let's pray. Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we need you. We need you to be our life. We need you to be our source. We need you to be our home. God, forgive me, forgive us for every way that we have tried to live life apart from you. For trying to find life in any other thing other than you. Forgive us for looking for life in, in money and power and prestige and buying into the things in this world. You guys, just keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed right now. I just, I just feel like I need to do this. I'm not going to ask anybody to stand up or to come forward, but if you have been trying to find life in anything other than Jesus, but you want Jesus to be the source of your life, your only source of life. I just, just put your hand up. Okay. See him? Okay. All right. Yeah. Father, you've seen the hands that came up today. 
And God, I know that you don't have shame for them. I know that you don't have shame for me because I'm somebody who has to raise my hand for that question. God, I know that you've got nothing but love for us. I pray that for everybody who raised their hand this morning, that they would experience your love being poured out in their hearts, over their minds. Because you are calling us into this life of pursuit. And you want us to succeed. Do that for them, I pray. Now, maybe you're here and you haven't yet begun your life as a Christ follower, but you like this idea of this abundant life, of, of having this unending life where you don't have to work for it, but it's something that you get based on your relationship. And you, you, want, you want that. I'm going to say a prayer. Just make it your own. Jesus, take my life. I choose to make you my home. Bring your life to bear in me, in my heart, in my mind. Make me yours. Jesus, for anybody who made that prayer theirs today, fill them. Fill them with your spirit as you promised to. Give them your joy. Give them your presence. Give them your peace, God. And as we go from here today, for all of us, Father, help us to choose Jesus above all else. To be with him this week, this month, for the rest of our lives, God. Lord, we thank you for your love and for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, we're going to continue talking about be, become, do next week. We'll talk about the become part, what that looks like. So I encourage you to come back next week. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being who you are. God bless you all. We'll see you next week.